Welcome back to Central Lines. Katie here. Before we get started on this episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up that the universe was interfering with us recording this podcast. We had to reschedule it a couple of times due to unforeseen circumstances. And then during this recording, we were having some big time tech glitches. So our wonderful producer, Casey, has done the best that he can um, to splice our conversation together. And it's not too bad. So uh, apologies for that. And the video is really not great because I'm frozen a lot of the time. <laughs> so I apologize for the less than stellar quality of the recording, but the conversation I think is great. Aaron Davis is our guest this week, and um, Aaron is just a really quality human. And we talk about the importance of community in vet med and um, and what it means to us. There's also some talk about um, ways that you can go out and find your own community in vet med uh, towards the end. So definitely keep an ear open for that if you don't feel like you've found them yet. Community's been key to keep me here and I know that's true for Aaron as well. Aaron was also fighting a case of COVID during this recording and bravely soldiered through. It's worth a listen, I think. Check it out and let me know what you think. Also wanted to mention that Aaron works with um, doctors Nicole Bruno and Janine Irvin-Smith over at BlendVet, um, who are BlendVet and AHA are, are good buddies. And um, BlendVet is actually going to be with us at AhaCon uh, in September in San Diego. They're going to be running one of their Pathway events, which is what Aaron works um, on doing with them now. Um, Aaron is the, the Pathway Program Director for BlendVet now. So if you're coming to the conference, you will probably see all of them there. And even if you're not coming, if you're in the Southern California area, if you're in the San Diego region, um, you can come and volunteer uh, with BlendVet at their Pathway event. So please let us know if you want more information about that. And I also put a link in the show notes for today uh, where you can find out more information and sign up to volunteer if you'd like. So hopefully we'll see you all in San Diego. And um, now let's get on with the episode. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. I'm your host, Katie Berlin. I have one of my most favorite people that I literally just met, Aaron Davis. Thank you so much for coming on Central Line. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And Aaron, you are a little bit of an onion. You do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, I feel like whenever I'm at a conference or talking to someone, your name somehow pops up. You're just, you, you are one of those people who's got your finger in a lot of stuff in vet med right now. And I think that's awesome. That means we're doing something right. So um, would you mind letting everyone know a little bit about what it is you're doing? Yeah, thank you so much, Katie. So I just recently moved into this new role. Uh, I'm with a company called Destination Pet. We are a, uh, a national vet care brand based out of Denver. We have vet practices across the country as well as pet care centers. And I am your new uh, director of employee and community engagement, which means I get to go all do all the fun engagement opportunities at conferences, uh, within our centers, on campuses. Uh, and if you know me, you know that this is a role that, you know, if I could have written my perfect job description, it would have been pretty similar to what I'm getting to do right now. Yeah, I agree. Just from the short time that I have known you, I feel I think I said that when you told me you got this, you were um, moved into this position because I feel like it is tailor made for you. So that's very exciting. Congratulations and good job on Destination Pet for realizing that you were the perfect person for that. Um, but you also do some other stuff outside of Destination Pet. That's right. So I also have the absolute uh, pleasure and joy of working with Dr. Nicole Bruno at BlendVet. Uh, I uh, 
am involved in their pathway program. In fact, I am the the pathway program director. So uh, we held our Blenfout held their third ever youth immersion program at St. Petersburg College in St. Petersburg, Florida in June. We had 50 middle school kids come out with all their parents and spend a day learning about life as a veterinarian or as a veterinary technician. And as Blend is focusing on uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, we prioritize kids that come from equity-deserving communities and veterinarians and technicians to teach them what that looked like them and came from their same communities. And we're putting our next event on next month at AhaCon in San Diego. So we're really, really excited about that. Yes, we're super excited about that too. Um, and it's awesome that you're working with them. You know, both Nicole and Janine have been on the podcast and they are both just dynamite. And, um, I cannot wait to see what kind of amazing things you all do together. So, um, also a very good seat for you to be in. And you seem to know a lot of people in the industry. Like I just, we just end up, we keep ending up getting connected through, you know, various degrees of separation. So, um, so, and I think we actually connected first when you posted on Instagram. You have an account on Instagram where you post some really good kind of helpful tips for team engagement um, in veterinary practices and empowering team members. And I love that. I do. And Katie, you know what? When when uh, uh, when we met, you really that was a really special moment for me because uh you you came up to me and you're you're kind of like, hey, you're that guy from Instagram. And I was like are you one of my 175 followers? <laughs> I had just made that account that. <laughs> Can you just tell a little, a little bit of your story? Um, we're, we're, we were going to talk about community today and you are the director of, um, of employee and community engagement at destination pet now. Um, and I would like to know why community is so important to you and how that connects to your personal story. That, that's a wonderful question, Katie. So I, uh, I'm what you'd call a vet vet lifer. I've been in the industry since I was 14 years old. Uh, I've worked probably every clinical role that you can imagine, except for veterinarian. And my, uh, my passions in my early part of my career brought me to emergency medicine. Uh, really fast. I found a love for it. I found a passion for it. I was always a night owl, so overnights were great for me. Uh, I didn't really ever love family holidays, so having that as an excuse was always amazing. And I just really enjoyed the 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 energy and the pace of the emergency room. Uh, this was at a time, you know, many, many years ago where I don't think the veterinary community was as noticeable to me back then or as it was as apparent to me back then. Uh, so, you know, as things are, you kind of go through your, your career and you, I was really fortunate that I made a lot of friends with, uh, people that I worked with. So we were a really tight knit bunch. We went out, you know, after our shifts together, we always would do stuff on the weekends together and it was really great. And I felt like I had this, this amazing team, uh, that understood me, that knew me, and I was, you know, it's my early 20s, so we were having a lot of fun. Uh, and then I moved to Houston, where I didn't know so many people, and I didn't have as much of that local community at my new practice. Back in the day, I found myself moving into a leadership role really fast, um, 
and thought that that was just like the most amazing thing ever. Here I am, you know, 26 years old, and I'm now in charge of this emergency department, this critical care department. But what I didn't realize at the time was, A, I was not as good of a leader as I thought I was. Uh, in fact, I was a pretty crappy leader. I was a pretty terrible leader to the people that I worked with. And two, I was really, really, really burnt out. And this was before I knew what burnout was. This was before I think a lot of us knew uh, about burnout and about compassion fatigue. And because I didn't have those tools, because I didn't have that that community around me, and because I didn't really have the the knowledge to do better, I got really burnt out. And I let it affect my work. I let it affect my relationships at work. I let it affect my leadership. And... I ended up leaving not only my practice, but I ended up leaving the field for two years. Uh, I, I reached a point to where I no longer felt joy around dogs or cats or any animals. I felt I reached a point to where, you know, if I saw a dog walking down the street instead of saying like, oh, it's a cute dog, I want to smush his face, I'd, I'd recoil and I'd think like, oh, get that thing away from me. So it's really awful to let such a central part of your identity be taken away like that. You know, I'm an animal lover and here I am. I don't want to look at animals anymore. Wow. So, uh, I, I did a little reality escape. I, I, uh, actually, um, bopped around for a little bit and found myself living in Key West, Florida for about two years and worked, you know, odd jobs, worked bar jobs. I did anything that didn't involve dogs or cats, anything that didn't involve animals. Um, after a couple of years, I guess when my burnout recovery was, uh, was complete or when I was doing better, I found myself, you know, moving out of Key West. That's when I found myself in New York city back in vet med. And I don't know for those of you that have worked emergency medicine before, but when you take two years off as an emergency person, um, those skills don't really come back to you so easy. You're not the same mm-hmm. sharp, fast-moving person that you were two years ago. And it's really not like riding a bike. I mean, you can you can do it well, <laughs> but I found that I was just, you know, I wasn't I wasn't the the sharp tech that I once was. So that gave me an opportunity to start discovering what my next passion was going to be in vet med. And it was also around the time that I started uh, discovering more of the vet med community online. Uh, I started discovering a lot of affinity groups like Pride VMC, uh, Not One More Vet. Um, and I started, you know, kind of looking into these groups and just following them from a distance, thinking like, oh, it's so cool that they exist, but, you know, I don't, I don't have any business reaching out to them. I'm just some, you know, kid in New York. But after a while, you know, I found myself start getting a little bit more courage to reach out because and and let me tell you why I didn't reach out at first, because in vet med, we're so used to being isolated from our community. We're Mm -hmm. so used to being, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're told that the clinic down the street is our competitor. So don't talk to them. We're, we're, we're told not to not to share anything with our, with our colleagues in the same community. So it makes this true, right? It makes it really hard for us to reach out. But when I started doing it, I realized 
that this is a big community and there is help out there and that, you know, maybe back in the day I did have to suffer in silence through my burnout, but that's not the case anymore. And maybe, you know, as a queer person in vet med, there are groups out there for me as, you know, if you're a, uh, a, a woman in veterinary medicine, there are groups for you. If you're, if you're a BIPOC, there are groups for you. And I just started seeing this and I started seeing how many opportunities there were to engage with the community. And that's really what started, you know, helping me develop my new passions and help me develop my new network of people that, um, you know, have made it a much healthier experience for me the second time around. You know, I love hearing that because I can relate to it so closely, um, personally. Uh, I de- I've never left vet med since I since I started, um, but I I have had several times where I felt isolated. And I thought about leaving, and I just wasn't sure if there was a place for me. Um, and then a, a a community at the right time, um, the right community at the right time, me back. And, um, and then it got to the point, it gets to the point where you have confidence in that community being there. So you know that if the, if things get rough again, they're going to be there to catch you. And that is such a huge, huge thing. And I love that you wanted to talk about this because, um, you know, we talk, we throw around the word community a lot. Um, but what does it really mean? You know, and does it have to mean the same thing to everyone? Um, and one of the things I was going to ask you, our internet seems to be a little bit, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to say it out loud, but you haven't frozen for a hot minute. So um, I was going to ask you before we started this, like, um, do you have a third space, like a place where you don't have to be like vet community, Aaron, or like, you know, home, Aaron, you can be somebody else different who has interests. No one asks you about what you do and you can just kind of like enjoy being apart from those things. Or is vet med now that space for you? I think vet med is definitely that space for me. And I've, um, I, I, I've gone back and forth on how I feel about that. Right. Because on one hand, I want to be this person that preaches work-life balance and, and healthy separation. But truthfully, my world has become very blended in the past few years. And a lot of mm-hmm. my network and a lot of my interests really do revolve around vet med. But I also make sure to shut it off. And if you've seen me running around uh, an exhibit hall at a conference, or if you've seen me at a, a campus event, or, or even out when I'm doing center visits with my team, uh, you would probably get the sense that I'm this like uh, th- this nonstop extrovert, right? Because I'm just running around, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm networking. But when I'm home, Katie, it is it is the polar opposite. These these blinds are drawn, these lights are turned off. I enjoy my peace. Um, I I am a big introvert. So when I'm home, I really like to read. I really like to spend time with my animals. I really like to just, you know, try my best to just shut it off too, because I've also got that ADHD brain that that's going, you know, 10 billion miles a second. So um, yeah, I would say when I'm not doing vet med stuff, I'm much more of a, of a homebody and an introvert. Uh, I, I think that's really interesting that you said it because I have lots of have so many interests, but it used to be that I needed like 
a running group or the barn where I rode horses or, um, you know, a gym or a, a book group or something where I needed to not be vet Katie. And um, I don't find that I need that anymore because I think who I am when I'm with my vet med people is the most accurate and authentic version of me. I don't think that I can be any more myself than I am with the people that I love within the vet community because there's so much about our jobs that are just, it's just weird and very difficult to explain to other people who do like other things, you know, normal things for a living. And it is, um, it is so easy to just like be who you are with people that just get it and you don't have to explain to them. And, um, that is one of the most valuable things that I've found. And so I still do other things, but I don't feel like I have to escape from vet med anymore the way that I used to. Um, so that's really interesting that you kind of have found that too. Um, I, we talked about this a little bit uh, before off the record, but do you feel like having that community in veterinary medicine has helped you to be more confident and feel more um, secure in your personal life as well? Like that has nothing to do with your professional goals or ambitions or what you do for a job? A hundred percent. I mean, first of all, I am surrounded by so many colleagues that are also my close friends that are people that I trust immensely, right? And these are people that I Mm -hmm. can go to for advice on just about any subject. Um, And and I want to touch on, Katie, what you said earlier about being able to be your authentic self in vet med, because that's so, that is so true. Prior to, you know, the, that those early days of my career when I was younger, I, I, I wasn't as much as my authentic self back then as I am today. And I didn't feel that safety of really showing up in my practice as, as my true authentic self. Um, you know, you would code down, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk about your personal life, you wouldn't talk about, you know, your, your mental health struggles. It was just the culture of the time. Now, when I go out, when I when I'm in my my vet bubble, um, or, or and, and I'm with my colleagues, I can be exactly who I am, and it's not mm. taxing in that way. I don't have to code down. I don't have to change who I am, uh, and I think that makes it a lot easier to come home and and just recuperate because you don't have to you don't have to find that third space where you can be your true authentic self anymore, right? Like vet med can can. Um, tick both of those boxes for you. But, and I'm sorry, I forgot. What was that? What question did you just ask? Oh, if it helps. I went off in on your, a tangent. If it helps in your personal life. So like, for instance, you and I both made some major life decisions in the last year or so. And we talked about how, um, how having the confidence of having that community behind you and underneath you um, has made us more confident in listening to what we really want in our personal lives. I really think it has. I mean, I think for one, I I am a lot more confident in myself because of the people that I surround myself with because mm-hmm. of the the work that we're doing together. It it it, it does instill that sense of pride and that that sense of confidence. Um so yeah, I would say absolutely. It was the start of the pandemic where I started 
seeing my passion for community kind of come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was like around the start of the pandemic, there were, you know, there were several, um, we, we lost several people to suicide in the veterinary yeah. community in like a two month span. I think like seven, uh, veterinarians and technicians were lost, um, uh, during that time. And it was a really scary moment because of the mental health component and then the pandemic starting. And now, you know, I lived in New York city where we just got hit so hard by the pandemic. I locked down, um, and it actually spurred me and a handful of my friends here to start a, uh, a, a group. Uh, we, we started the veter the, the, um, the veterinary mutual aid coalition Mm. and, uh, did that in order to kind of respond to people's immediate needs. Right. And we saw a lot of mutual aid pop up during the pandemic to help people with food insecurity, housing insecurity, childcare. And that was what we wanted to try to accomplish is, you know, if you're a technician, if you're a vet assistant or a CSR or a veterinarian and you need access to resources in the New York city area, we would try to find those resources for you. And we would try, and, and we also set up several uh, get togethers at parks. We would host, we would do like cookouts and like um, did some fun, like art projects at a park one time. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, I don't know how much we accomplished there because it was a very short run endeavor, but I think it definitely spurred us all to value community and to see how an action, it can really make a difference. Oh no, you froze. Oh man. <laughs> this is like, You're I just, back now. Okay. I was wondering whether you think online communities can be just as helpful as meeting a person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the last question? <laughs> do you think, um, because a lot of people during the pandemic, started online communities so they would do like online happy hours or have church services online or you know start support groups online do you feel like online communities are just as helpful as meeting in person or is there something like really just sort of that magic of meeting in person that you can't replicate online you know i think it's definitely not an apples to apples comparison right they both serve different they both have different pros and cons um Personally, if I could choose, I would always choose to be in person because you just get so much more out of it, right? Yeah. You and I have have been to dinner how many times now? And that, and that energy that we have across the table, we're replicating most of it right here, but you just it's just not the same thing. Yeah. But in in this day, it's not really feasible for everyone to meet in person all the time. And our networks are so expanded you know, across zip codes, across time zones, that it it makes more sense to have that virtual component. But whenever you can meet in person, do it, right? I mean, that's what we experience when we go to these these, um, conferences and we see people in real life for the first time that we've known for years online. And it's like, oh my God, I've have, I've wanted to hug you for years now. We finally get a you chance have legs. to do it. You <laughs> yeah. have legs. Is this what you look like with a body? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, you know, I will always choose in-person over virtual, but I love the opportunities to to build my network virtually and then make these connections, make these relationships, and then seek these people out mm-hmm. in real life, IRL, um, as fast as I can. Yeah. That, and the, then having that ability to connect online in between those times just only strengthens. Um, I mean, imagine right. like if we all had only met a couple of times in person and not had conversations in between. Um, and we really have only known each other for five minutes. Like everyone's going to be like, oh, you've been to dinner a bunch of times. Like you said, you just met. But we really did just meet. But also have made the most of the conversations we've had. Like there hasn't been a lot of small talk at those conversations. No. And I think that's another thing, too, is like the reason I asked about online communities is because there are a lot of people listening probably who are like, well, I mean, the, maybe <laughs> there are a lot of people listening who are saying, I hate conferences. Like, I don't like networking. I don't like having conversations with people I don't know well, because we are a very introverted profession in general. And I mean, you and I both identify as introverts, even though we have absolutely no problem going up to a total stranger at a conference <laughs> being like, I saw you on Instagram. But <laughs> tell me your gen- life story. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> tell me your deepest fears. <laughs> but, but don't talk about the weather ever. No. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't like that and who would prefer to stay kind of in their familiar environment. And I get that. I really do. Especially I- after the pandemic, a lot of people were really scared to go out. And I get that, too. Um, and having and for- that online ability is really special. Yeah. For 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 people that just don't want to go to conferences and hey i get it you know that that is a lot going on those virtual communities those online communities make perfect sense and they provide that sense of of connection while you're still you know safe in your comfort zone while you're still at home you know you can you can and you can do more that way too i mean that's right (laughs) by the way i can hear him purring this entire time It's very and I'm not a, I'm not upset by it. No. Um, but no, I mean, it also gives you a chance to do more, right? I can mm-hmm. I can be involved in more organizations and be involved in more groups because we have our meetings online. Yeah. Can you imagine if it were still the 1980s and you had to like fly to a business meeting and then fly back home just no. to meet with people? I can't even imagine if we had to use dial-up. <laughs> like we think we're having technical issues now. <laughs> I was gonna say dial-up might be a step up from the experience we're having. <laughs> it's possible. At least then we'd just be chatting and not trying to exactly. do video. Like the the exactly. expectation of the video call and then the total fail is like the real disappointment. Is yeah. thinking it's gonna be there and then not working. This aha podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit understands that all veterinary teams are busier than ever. To help patients get the care they need, the CareCredit Health and Pet Care Credit Card allows clients to access a budget-friendly financing experience anytime from anywhere on their own smart device. They can learn, see if they pre-qualify, apply, and even pay if approved, all on that smart device. With just a tap, they have a friendly, contactless way to pay over time for the services and treatments their pet needs, whether it be a general, referring, or specialty hospital as long as they accept the care credit credit card. Yeah, well, it, it, that's all good. That's all a good 
um, reminder that there are different ways to feel connected and you don't have to be somebody that loves to go to cocktail parties where they know no one and circulate around the room. Like you don't have to be that way. It also helps to befriend an extrovert or an extroverted introvert who then can introduce you to everyone. Um, I feel like I know half of the people I know because of a couple of very extroverted friends I've met in Absolutely. the veterinary community who connected me to people who have changed my entire life. I mean, it really is um, a special place and it gives you so much more optimism when you meet people who see it the way you do and who see all the potential and the hope and um, and growth that's going on right now. That's and, and that's a that's a really great point, Katie, too. get if you don't have someone already, get you someone who is going to advocate for you in rooms yeah. that you're in and rooms that you're not in. Yes. Um I I feel the same way. I know just about every vet med connection that I have stems from about three or four people. Yeah. And <laughs> these were people that I met early on in my career. Some of them I met, you know, 15 years ago. Some of them I met two years ago. But they have been my advocates every step of the way. And when we do go into a room full of people, if they know someone, they make sure that I know them. If... if, if if we're talking on the phone and, and, you know, there's a connection to be made, they're like, oh, well, let me connect you through email or let me connect you through text. Um, you've got to have advocates in your corner. And then you have the responsibility after that, turning around being some, excuse me, turning around and being someone else's advocate. Yeah. So if you know someone that they don't make that connection, build that network for someone else, not only are you helping other people not only are you helping someone you know get a jump start but you look really good in the process too and you get to be that that kind of that great connector mm -hmm. um so to speak and that's a really fun that's a really fun role to have yes absolutely um and it gives me a lot of satisfaction to see the community of positive um, forward thinking, you know, really optimistic veterinary professionals growing in that way. You know, it's like the, you introduce this person to this person and then they introduce that person to somebody else and it just starts growing exponentially. And I just love seeing that. It's really, it's super fun. Um, and that's what maybe my favorite part of this job is sort of having the seat I have. I get to see that, um, more than I think when we're in practice and we're kind of in that little bubble, it doesn't mean you can't connect the same way, but it means you don't get to sort of have a, a bird's eye view of that stuff going on as much. What do you think the best way is for somebody who's feeling isolated in their practice? Um, you know, they might be in a small practice and they feel like they want to start building their own community and getting more in touch with the vet community at large. How do you, what's a good first step for them to start building that? Well, I think if they're in a small practice, uh, reaching out into a virtual community makes a lot of sense at first, especially if you are someone who identifies uh, with any um, equity deserving community. If you're a, if you're a woman, there's the um, Women's Veterinary Leadership Development Initiative. If yep. you're a queer person in vet med, there's Pride VMC. If you're if you're a black or BIPOC person, there is the Black TVM network. There's the Latinx VMA. There are professional affinity organizations for for many 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 communities, and not only can you reach out 
and build your network and and find people that are members of multiple of your communities, but you can help them out in the process too. And that's the other great thing is, you know, I told you a while back, I, I started finding all these groups online and I never reached out to them. And I just kind of thought like, oh, well, this is like a national, like big fancy group. They don't really need my help. No, like, they do. <laughs> as it turns they need out, it. you know, like these, <laughs> they need our help. They need our help dramatically. Um, I've been on, I, I've been on committee and working group calls for national affinity organizations where three people show up. And, you know, these are volunteer-led organizations. These are not for-profit groups. They're not running around with huge budgets. They don't have masses of staff. They might be working with, you know, two staff members running 10 programs and anywhere from one to 15 volunteers or whoever shows up on a given day. So if you really want to give back, it's so easy to do it. And I promise you, the day that you show up, nobody is going to treat you like an outsider. No one's going to treat you like you don't belong there. They're going to be grateful that you're there. Um, and they're probably going to put you to work on day one. They're probably going to find, you know, like, what is it that you want to do? How is it that you want to engage? Great. Let's get you in front of that thing as fast as possible so that we can keep you here and keep you engaged and keep you satisfied and happy. I love that. Um, I didn't join or reach out to any organizations either for a long time, even after I got out of the clinic full time, um, into this role, it took me a minute. And I, I'm really sad about that because there are so many amazing people that I could have met earlier, but I guess, you know, it, it does take a, a second to realize that the groups are, are really grassroots in some, in some cases. And like the, there are some very, very young affinity groups out there, like the MCVMA and the LVMA are very young groups and they need all that help they can get. They all do. Um, so I a hundred percent, um, second what you said. And also if you don't identify personally with, with any of those groups, that doesn't mean you can't help. Um, you know, I, I'm straight, you know, and, and, white identity, you know, white passing anyway. And um, I still, I think it's important to listen to those conversations that are going on and to know what your colleagues are going through and to learn about the ways that you can support them um, when you do have the privilege that they don't have. And the best way to do that is to get into those organizations and and actually listen to people. Um, and so for allies, for people who want to know more about those issues and learn um, for their own personal growth and just for being a, a better citizen of the world, um, not just the vet community, those groups are a fantastic way to start. And everybody is so welcoming and wonderful. Yeah, you're you're 100% uh, spot on there. Diversity work is often left to the communities that are being affected by um, marginalization. But when allies show up and allies say, hey, we're going to do this work too, we are going to make it our responsibility, um, especially if, if those allies do come from a place of privilege, that means a lot. And that speaks volumes, you know. Um, equity work is, is for everyone and it's everyone's responsibility and everyone gets to benefit from us. So everyone needs to be involved in doing it. Yeah. That goes back to what we talked about with authenticity, right? Like if we all can be our authentic selves, 
if we are all allowed to be our authentic selves and feel safe doing so. And um, so allowing other people to feel safe and be able to express who they truly are benefits you personally in a very selfish way because you're like, well, if they can be who they are, I can be who I am. And there doesn't have to be a lot of barrier between who you put forth into the world and who you actually are. And that authenticity is what really makes a community feel like you're yours, um, is that ability to be 100% yourself with them. Um, and I never would have seen a vet conference as being that place for me uh, for a very long time. So, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about about what you what Aaron just said about joining these affinity groups and, and asking what kind of conversations you can be. I think about going to those big conferences, smaller ones are easier. I think it's easier to strike up a conversation when everyone's like going to the same tracks and stuff like that. But at those giant conferences, it just feels like you're sort of a body um, floating around with like tens of thousands of other bodies. And this reminds me of, I don't know if you're a Brene Brown fan, um, but Brene Brown, the researcher says, Brene Brown. Yeah. Um, same. She talks about the difference between fitting in and belonging um, and 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 belonging is something different. Can you talk about what those two terms mean to you? Fitting in versus belonging? So so first of all, Katie, I, I, I love that you brought that up because I actually shared this quote yesterday on our destination pet DEIB. I did not know that committee meeting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a big fan of Brene Brown, and in fact, I I I wish everyone would be a fan because uh, yeah. what she's done in in the name of vulnerability and authenticity is incredible. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, she says something along the lines of. Um, uh, fitting in asks us to to be someone we're not, whereas belonging requires that we be and show up who we are. And I think that's really important because if you're trying to fit in, what you're trying to say is this space was not made for me. Mm-hmm. The space that I'm in right now was not made for me. It wasn't built for me. It's very clear um, from the people that I'm surrounded with and the way that I'm being engaged that that's this space is built for other people and I'm welcome here. And so when we say you're welcome here, that's a really polite way of saying like, try not to mess anything up. Right. But when we say uh, that what we care about is belonging, that means that I get to show up as my authentic self and I get to engage on my own terms and I don't have to be afraid of messing things up. In fact, the fact that I belong here means that if this needs to be changed, I get to be an active participant in that change. If this wasn't built for me, then we're going to work together to make sure that it is built for me and it is built for all the other people that are going to come to. Belonging is a requirement of running a healthy enterprise. Right. You cannot have a healthy team, a healthy group, a healthy organization without that sense of belonging, without everyone on your team being able to come in and say, like, I feel as if this is my space as much as it is your space. That's so beautifully put. And I think we can all relate to the feeling of like, oh, never quite fitting in. Um, I felt that way. Um you know, for a lot of my adult life, as well as, as when I was a kid, um, you know, and, um, now 
feeling like if I go to dinner with a bunch of people that I know through veterinary medicine and some of their friends who I don't know, there's no need to worry about whether I'm going to belong there because um, the people who I know expect me to show up as my weird, sometimes aggressive, <laughs> passionate, we'll say passionate <laughs> self. Um, <laughs> and in that who's interested in 25 things and like will randomly say, well, the other day at Bollywood dance fitness <laughs> and like, that's totally normal. And I really, um, there's no bigger tool for well-being that I know of than finding that space where it's safe to do that. Um, we talk a lot about well-being as personal responsibility, you know, do your yoga, do your meditation, use your EAP, join, join a support group or something where you can really work on yourself and address the things that are bothering you. But you can't create that feeling of belonging for yourself. Um, that has to be done yeah. with other people. No, you can't. And and we also talk a whole lot about self-care all the time, right? Like self-care, mm -hmm. self-care. Self and self-care is amazing. But we also need to talk about community care, right? Because yeah. you can't just, just, you, just like you can't care for a patient all on your own, you also can't care for yourself all on your own, too. And some of that care needs to be done by your community, the people in your life, your village. And a lot of community care, it can be done at these events, can be done at, you know, working with these affinity groups. Um, you, the benefit that you get out of it is connecting with other people that are going through similar things to you in, a, in, in the same industry, in the same community. And you get affinity, you, you get to heal with each other, you get to, you get to practice care with each other. And that's a really cool thing to get to do. A hundred percent. Um, Aaron, I love all of that, that you said, and I'm going to volunteer us to anybody listening who does not feel like they've found their veterinary community. You just find Aaron or me at a conference and we will say hi to you because we're extremely extroverted introverts at vet conferences. We will and drag you around. <laughs> we will drag you around and introduce <laughs> you to someone else. <laughs> and um and and because we want that community to grow, we want everybody to have that here I am speaking for you like you're not even here. But I I, can, I feel comfortable speaking for you after 5 <laughs> minutes of knowing you that um we want that community to grow. We want everybody to have that feeling of belonging um because it there's there's nothing better. So, and our, whatever crap is going on in your personal life, it's a lot more bearable when you know you have those people that you can turn to if you need them. So, accept so that much. challenge. Yeah, I accept that challenge. Come find <laughs> yeah. us, Katie. Yeah. We should have our we should have a booth at the next conference. That just come find us if you extroverts need extroverts for rent. <laughs> <laughs> Temporary Intro extroverts for rent. <laughs> That's right. On the clock extroverts. <laughs> That's right. Come find us. We'll be your conference buddy. We should do that. We should absolutely do that. We should have like conference big brother, big sister, big, <laughs> you know, buddy. Um, and say, I don't think I want to be known as a big buddy. I'm going to, I'm going to cancel that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we should have buddies. We should, buddies. Yeah. We should have that. Um, 
at some point because it really is so important. Like the Uncharted conference actually did that um, where they set you up with somebody who'd been there a long time, had been to repeated events and then kind of like showed you around. And, um, you know, in the AHA community, which is online, um, it's for members and we have people who introduce themselves and then a lot of the people who are active in the community will chime in and say, hello, you know, it's so great to have you and sort of just take that person in and not just let them kind of sit out there um, and be like, okay, now I'm here, now what? Um, that's not fun. And we all have been there. So um, definitely reach out if you need any help because we we love doing stuff like that. So, Absolutely. Aaron Davis, thank you so much for spending this time. I hope at least 50% of what we said ends up <laughs> having been recorded and on this podcast. Um, it may be that we're, we're going to splice this together. It'll be a little bit creative, but that's okay. You know, well, you know. if we have to come back and do it again, we can always we can always try a fourth time to get it right. Aaron, thank you so much for spending so much time um, for making it through the tech issues. You're a trooper, and we probably will have to record some of this over, and that's all right. It's, an excuse to, it's just an excuse to see you again. Thanks to Honestly, all of you for listening this, <laughs> this far. Yeah. Is, any, is anybody still there? If so, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. We'll catch you next time on Central Line if you ever come back, which I wouldn't blame yeah. you if you didn't. <laughs> this will be the last episode ever. <laughs> yes. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.